Hello there, I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling. Welcome to Mackling and McGarry on 680 CJOB. Later this afternoon, don't forget, we have more Age of Electric tickets to give away. We will do that after 3 o'clock and, of course, after 2 o'clock. Somewhere in the vicinity of 2.10, give or take. We will give away. Mostly well, not, take. We're not giving away anything. We will be qualifying, hopefully qualifying somebody for the U2 flyaway to Vancouver, the draws on March 31st. That's this Friday. And we want to keep up our streak of having the most loyal listeners in the draw for the big announcement on Friday morning. We're hoping like heck, we're not discriminating against anybody else who wins, but clearly we want someone who qualified during our program to win the whole kit and caboodle, a trip to Vancouver to see you two on May 12th. But just uh, to, to keep in line with the draft lotteries uh, analysis I made yesterday or comparison, I hopefully it doesn't end up being a, an Orlando magic situation where they had one ball in the lottery and they got Shaq. No kidding. We want to have the most people in the draw and they want, want them we want our listeners to get the draw. Of course, it doesn't matter if it's from what show it is, but it's a little bit of bragging rights for us. That's correct. And I'm the guy that usually responsible for the obscure sport reference. <laughs> Where'd you come up with that one? Ah, it's like uh, I like I used to pay attention to to sports, to Incredible. basketball. Incredible! And by the way, we're going to go virtually to Little Mogadishu right after two o'clock and visit with the unofficial mayor of Little Mogadishu in our series uh, from Global News and 680 CGOB uh, seeking asylum. And we'll visit with Keith McCullough at about 3.30 as he's on his way down to Emerson in preparation for storytelling from there. And our global evening news will emanate from Emerson at 6 o'clock this afternoon or this evening, depending on how you view it. On global television. So make sure you stick around for that. In the meantime... Greg, do you, how much cash do you have on you right now? Well, it always helps, of course, if you have your wallet with you, <laughs> and we'll shift to that. Uh, like, none. Like, none. And it's almost always that way. Like, okay. I might have a, I don't know how I end up with toonies and loonies, because I don't really usually have cash, but, like, I'll go a little stretch where I'll have a few bucks in my pocket. Okay. And then I'll end up with toonies and loonies, and I managed to ration those very well. I got 75 cents. <laughs> That's what I have in my pocket right okay. now. Fortunately, I don't want to say this too loudly. Ah, it doesn't matter. I don't think anybody breaking into cars at 2 o'clock in the morning looking for a spare change is listening right now. They're probably napping. I, I do tend to, you know, when I pay cash at the drive-thru or whatever, I'll put my change in that little center console. I think a lot of us do that, yep. which is probably why we have this problem with smashed windows around Winnipeg. People are looking for loose change and whatnot. Uh, so when I went to Timmy's today for my steep tea, I noticed people pulling U-turns and then quite quickly realized that there was a young lady propping up a cash-only sign mm. at the end or the top of the drive-thru. Uh, they're... You know, their Visa, MasterCard, Interact machine, debit machine was all down. So people were having to pay cash. And it was perfectly obvious that there were many people that that was really disrupting their morning routine and that they were having to go elsewhere because these machines were down. And it got me thinking about our reliance on cash or lack of use of cash or reliance on plastic because, I, yeah, I hardly ever carry it. What about you? Well, I, I almost never have cash on me as well. And, and I think that's sort of par for the course for Canada. As far as I understand, Canada is the most uh, plastic-dependent mm. 
country well, in the well, world. Interact are we not? Was developed and invented here. Like we cool. were first, okay. we were first, and yeah, it's uh, it's really taken over our lives, right? I do have cash on me right now. There are only there there are a handful of instances where I need to actually have cash. One is when I go to see my barber, Tony's Barbershop. When I go to see Joe at Tony's Barbershop on Regent Avenue West, you like to pay him cash. Well, I have to pay him cash. He doesn't take anything other than cash, which is fine. You know, I mean, they've been there forever. Tony was his dad, hence the name Tony's Barbershop. They've been in Transcona for a long time, and it's a cash-only institution, which is fine, because even if I show up there and I forget, like, hey, Joe, I, I didn't have time to go to the the bank before can i run down the street and get some cash he's like yeah no problem because it's 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 100 yards away so that's no problem but there i need to have cash if i go to the golf course i always make sure to have cash because i think you can some golf courses do have those portable debit machines but i still like to pay them in cash then i can give them a tip and on that same um same line of thinking when i go to a bar or a pub or a lounge or something i try or a restaurant i try to have cash so that i can when I pay and I can provide my tip on the spot as opposed to punching in the tip on the debit machine because you would have more insight into this. I don't know how it works at the end of the night where you're divvying out tips and you got to... Pretty much the same way. You know, you do what's called a cash out and then it calculates all the transactions that you've had other than cash, whether it be debit or credit card. And then, of course, your tips are calculated on that. And then so basically you end up paying the restaurant in your cash out, right? And just whatever's left over is yours. So oh, there's okay. really no danger of you not getting it. Uh, so I, yeah, I didn't think it, I didn't think it would be that they wouldn't get it period. I just, I was wondering if there'd be oh, a delay. No, no delay. Oh, okay. no delay. Well, the, maybe I shouldn't do this. Shouldn't yeah. Most, bother. most restaurants are uh, good enough partners that they kind of front the uh, whole risk of, of things falling through, which doesn't happen very often, but I'm not surprised based on how well I've gotten to know you over the last little while, that the only time you go out of your way to have cash is for the convenience of other people. I think that's I think that says a lot about your character. <laughs> so you, I Rick. wanted to uh, pay tribute to that. And then last night, touched on this with Jeff, tried to take the boys out for dinner last night, their favorite place, and uh, it's packed with kids. It's like, oh, yeah. Spring break. Just as a, a quick side note on that, when I was leaving the mall yesterday at around six thirty, yes, I park under the deck, uh, sort of just beside Hudson's Bay, and the the parking lot was full all the way across, right up to the movie theater. And I and it took me a second, like, why is it so busy? I know it's Tuesday, and it's cheap night of the movies or whatever, but it there. Almost every single spot, even right in the, the back corner where it's always, there's always a couple of spots, mm-hmm. completely full, and then it hit me, spring break. Yeah, spring break. And so other people had the same idea as we did, go and get some stir fry and enjoy that. Well, it was just way too many kids. There was a wait, and I just, you know what, uh, this isn't relaxing at all. And even the boys said, Dad, can we just go home and watch the hockey game? Yeah, absolutely we can. So we go. So you go- hadn't even ordered yet. Hadn't ordered, hadn't even got a table yet. Decided to leave. Then we went uh, stop by Sobeys to get some nourishment and uh, snacks to watch the game. The boys like sushi, so they wanted sushi and oh, a couple them. other things. And so we go to pay, and I realize I don't have my wallet. <laughs> so, of course, my first instinct is that I've somehow left it in the vehicle. But right away, I remember putting in the top drawer of my desk. <laughs> 
<laughs> with my sunglasses when I got here yesterday morning because I'm not wearing the same jacket that I wore all winter, right? So the routine is changing. I'm like, I'm routine guy. Yeah. And so now my wallet isn't in the same spot. So I put it in the desk and there we go. No wallet for me. Jackie's not at home. Run home. We still got to eat. And uh, Brendan goes and takes his debit card out of his <laughs> hiding spot. Boy loves money. And uh, says, now you're going to pay me back, right, Dad? I said, of course. I'll pay you back with interest. And so we go to the grocery store. And our groceries were still there. And uh, he's paying with the debit. Of course, he won't let me touch the card. <laughs> he has to make a very large production of the fact that he's paying. And I could feel these eyeballs on me. Whether they were or not, it was like... People are looking at me and they're going, that father cannot even provide for his children. He's making his children pay for groceries. And all these things are going on in your head because, quite frankly, it was a very awkward situation to have my kid breaking out the bank card to pay for the groceries. By the way, your so your wallet was here yes, all night? all night. How'd you get here today? Oh, Brett, don't do that to me. <laughs> Alexander said the same thing. How are you going to get to work tomorrow, Dad? You can't drive without a license. I have a license. Just wasn't on my person at the time. Thank you very much, Mr. McGarry. You're welcome. As you as you immediately rescind, retract what you said about my character earlier. Bus thrower. Thanks a lot. Throwing me under the bus. Speaking of bus throwing... Can I can I vent on one more thing sure. before we move on? Yep. 780-6868, by the way, if you want to get in via talk or text on our reliance on plastic and the fact that not many of us use cash anymore and the whole idea of you ever had an embarrassing situation where you left your wallet at home or somewhere else and you go to pay. Like I'm fast forwarding, right? Had we stayed for dinner last night, we would have eaten our meal and then and then what? How do I pay? Yeah. You know, because that happened at the at the gas station once, and I had to phone Jackie, and like, can you give them a credit card number or something? You know, and they weren't even going to do that for me. I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? Well, you're going to have to go home. I said, I, I was in the deep south end of Winnipeg and Route 90. I live in North Kildonan. Oh, boy. And I'm like, it's a three-hour freaking ordeal, pardon my language, to go home and to come back. Like, really? My wife's on the phone. She'll give you a credit card number, and the clerk didn't want to do it. No, I can't do that. And the manager overheard it. Yeah, do it for him. But uh, that would have been a gigantic pain in the neck. Embarrassing situations where you realize that you're without your wallet. We'd, we'd love to hear you, hear from you. You know how I feel about the uh, photo radar? Yep. In and around the school zones. I'm all in favor of the 30K around the school zones. And I think, you know, we got to slow down. I know there's no long history of kids getting hit by cars at school. But for me, I think it's a reasonable action to take. I think it's a reasonable thing to encourage people to slow down. But you know what? I was so angry today. At 8 o'clock, there's a school, I don't even know what it's called, uh, near the intersection of Watt and Talbot. And there's one of those photo radar vehicles at eight o'clock on a Tuesday during spring break. Yep. It's like, you know what? That's not about the safety for anyone. When you're doing something like that, that's about cash. That's a cash grab, plain and simple. And I, like I say, I'm all in favor of the safety thing, but don't feed me one thing and practice another. That really got my 
goat this morning. Oh, absolutely. I remember during Christmas holidays, uh, it would it was definitely the week the kids were off, and I was approaching the school at the corner of Corden and Harrow. It's a Christian school, I think. I can't, only lived around there for three years. I can't remember the name of the school, but I was thinking, oh, oh, it's it's a Wednesday, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm going over the speed limit, mm-hmm. slowed down, and sure enough, there was a there was a photo radar waiting for whoever's going over the limit, and I thought, you sneaky, yeah, you know, and uh, I would never ever out the location at the time. I tweet, I pulled over and I tweeted about it because I didn't give out the location. I was like, you got me, like really. You give us a song and dance, and it's about safety, and, and and I'm even on your side. But if you're angering someone like me, who even sees the benefit of this stuff, you, you know that you're you're on a slippery slope. So I wanted to get that off my chest as well. Well, good for you, Greg. Thank you. I feel much better. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Have you ever found yourself in an embarrassing situation where you got gas, bought groceries, went out for dinner? I don't know, wherever you may have been, and whoops, you didn't have your wallet, or maybe you were in a situation where you did have your wallet, but they said, sorry, it's cash only, and you didn't have cash. What do you do? 204-780-6868, or conversely, maybe you're a business owner. What do you do when people come in and they forget forget their wallet? What do you do? 204-780-6868. 204-780-6868. Would love to hear your voice on this. You can also send us text messages to that number. My email address is brett at cjob.com. Greg's is gmac at cjob.com. Your forecast is coming up next. I know our conversations go a lot of different places here. I, I didn't realize that we'd t- taken like 11, 12 minutes to go down that path. I apologize. Don't apologize. The airwaves are yours now. Give us a call, 204-780-6868. We're getting text messages and emails about our reliance on plastic, interact, debit, whatever you want to call it, credit cards, etc. And uh, also a great email on a, a really smart way to use new technology. And we've got a phone call. Patrick is at 204-780-6868. Hey, Patrick, what's your story? Um, I had given, for whatever reason, I gave my, my Interact card to my wife, and I didn't have any credit cards or anything on me. I got same thing. I pulled into the gas station, filled up, didn't care, and uh, got into the till with uh, a uh, bucket of washer fluid. <laughs> and I went, uh-oh, I don't have it. And the guy looked at me, and he said, do you have Apple Pay? And I thought, no, I hate technology. Sure enough, I've got an Apple phone, and within probably three minutes of verifications and information sending and password setups, I had Apple Pay on my phone. I tapped it to the machine, and I walked away. I've disabled Apple Pay. I don't like it, but it worked, and it got me out of the bind. Really good backup. Right on, Patrick. I like solutions. I believe it. Right on, brother. Appreciate it. You, t- you, you take care. And Apple Pay, yeah, I haven't even thought about setting that up. Well, it's perfect that Patrick had this call at this time uh, to tell us about a uh, solution courtesy of technology because you got an email yeah, along these lines. Absolutely. Our loyal listener, Bob, out in the sticks, says uh, single dad and his young son pop by my hobby farm to buy some fresh eggs. He noticed a cool antique bike. 
I had hanging on a back building. He asked if it was for sale. I said, sure, how does 25 bucks sound? He agreed, but needed to go to the bank machine for cash. That would be six miles away. So I asked him if he had a smartphone. Yep. I asked him to send me an interact email. Ta-da. A couple minutes later, my bank account was increased by 25 bucks. I made a sale, and he saved a 12-mile round trip. These interact e-transfers are spectacular spectacular way to call your friends on the whole idea of owing you 25 bucks or 50 bucks or Jets tickets when, you know, my friends or family want to buy my hockey tickets from me. I typically don't email the tickets to them until they send me the e-transfer. Nice. You know, just that's, it's commerce, right? Well, and I've just, I've noticed that very quickly the e-transfers have become a more viable option. I remember, I want to say even two years ago, there was something, uh, there was a situation that arose where a group of friends, we all had to pay this one guy, like, I don't know, 50 bucks for something. And he was saying, well, here, do the interact transfer. So I went to do it. And then it said that there would be a $5 fee. Wow. So I said to him, I'm just going to pay you the money in cash next time I see you because forget that. I'm not paying $5 for this. $10 or like a 10%, pardon me. Fee on your money is what that amounts to. Yeah. You're but, not making that in 10 years of keeping it in the bank. No, for sure. Right? So, but now it's, I, I, the last time I did it, it, it was free. I don't know if I get X amount that are free per month, but so it was something that was kind of convenient, but came at a price, at least in my situation. And now it's not. I think like it's a that. buck. And even some of the plans that you can get on your account, you can get a certain amount of Interact e transfers because it's just, Part of the system now, right? People use them so regularly that some of the banking plans include a couple or or maybe even more interact e-transfers as part of your monthly fee. Don't get me started on the monthly fees from the bank. Please. 204-780-6868. Have you ever been caught without your money or... Are you a business owner who had a customer who got caught without his or her money? How did you handle that situation? 204-780-6868. Global News is up next. I want you to go in that bag and find my wallet. Which one is it? It's the one that says bad mother. That's my bad mother. Open it up. Take out the money. Count it. How much is that? About fifteen hundred dollars. Okay, put it in your pocket. It's yours. One of the greatest scenes from one of the best films of all time. Is that fair to say, Brett McGarry? You think that's one of the greatest scenes? You like that one? Oh, I love it. Tim Roth is so good in that scene. And Samuel L. Jackson, of course, you see his whole zen, the zen side of his character come to fruition, right? He's been touching on it throughout the entire movie and his interactions with Vincent played by John Travolta, and then when they're in the diner and it's getting robbed by, is it Amanda Plummer and Tim Roth? Yes. And he he keeps cool, and the way he handles the situation, it's, to me, it's one of the best scenes of all time. <laughs> Love it. I think, well, and maybe it's be, just because I sort of look at that, almost every scene in that movie 
as they, almost every scene can be taken and revered. It's one of those films that is just genius from start to finish and it was so revolutionary so you're right it is uh and in particular that scene was tremendous as i think back on it now so. <laughs> i love when vincent says you let him take that money and i'm paraphrasing because i can't use the <laughs> same language i'm gonna shoot him on principle basically <laughs> and it's fantastic anyway uh just bringing that up and any excuse to play a pulp fiction scene but really because uh, I left my wallet behind yesterday. And we're having some great suggestions here from using the e-transfer to that great uh, call about the Apple Pay. Yep. Didn't even think about having the Apple Pay as a backup. I will have Apple Pay linked to a credit card by the time our show is over today. <laughs> I've already looked at it. I see how to do it. And we want your want your calls and your texts on awkward situations you may have been in whilst uh, leaving your wallet behind and realizing I've kind of bought this already. I-, I need to make arrangements to now pay for things that they don't typically do on layaway or monthly payments. <laughs> Talking about restaurant meals, gasoline, and of course, haircuts. And there's a great text in our queue right now about the idea of showing up for a haircut and realizing, uh-oh, I don't have any money. The number to text is 204-780-6868, and this one reads, This did not happen to me personally, but did happen to a friend who was at the hairdresser's that he normally did not go to. As the hairdresser was washing his hair, he realized that he did not have the cash to pay for the haircut. He said something to the hairdresser as she was washing his hair at the sink. She immediately stopped washing his hair Uh and made him walk to a nearby bank with his hair full of suds from the shampoo and get the money before she would continue to wash and cut his hair. He said, quote, there I was walking down the street, (laughs) hair full of suds to get the money. Once she saw the money, then and only then would she continue washing and cutting his hair. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I would have just walked out and left. That's customer like you can't, service, you can't, right? You can't at least rinse out my hair. If you're going to throw me out. <laughs> at least do that. Yeah. It's like when you're driving. If you're going to cut me off, at least use your turn signal first. <laughs> right? If you're going to jump into the lane, like just meet me halfway, flip on your turn signal. I'll be, you know, half as bad as I am when you just kind of jump in there unannounced, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Hey, uh, Spencer says, happened to me a few months back, put 100 bucks worth of fuel in my truck at my local Petro-Canada, waiting in line to pay, feel for my wallet, and uh-oh, panic mode, had to leave my iPhone with the girl at the till till I came back to pay. And uh, as it turns out, maybe, Spencer, you need to be uh, downloading the whole Apple Pay as well. How prevalent is that? Uh, that you can pay with Apple Pay. Like, is it the same as really, does it turn your phone into a virtual wallet? Boy, am I Luddite on this, using that word twice in two days. Yeah, look at you. Uh, I believe It's been around a couple of years now, at least. Apple Pay, Samsung has their own pay. I'm not sure. I should know if all of Android does or if it's uh, specific to Samsung. But I remember seeing ads with a comedian named Hannibal Burris using his phone to pay for something at the deli. That he went to. So it's been around for a while. And, and does it interact with all those machines? Like, do I use it just like I use a, a a card at any terminal? Like if they have interact, like the tap? That I'm I, I'm not entirely certain because the, the, the ad for the Samsung says 
Hannibal goes in with his phone and he says, oh, I've got Samsung Pay or whatever it's called. And they said, oh, no, you can't do that here. And he says, yes, I can. Watch. And he holds it up to their debit thing and it works. I have never tried it. I don't have it on. I have a Samsung phone. Not the, uh, it's a Galaxy Note, but it's not the Explodey one. It's a Note 4, not the Note 7. I have not bothered to try, partly because I guess I'm kind of, I, if you want to say old school or reluctant, I don't know. Uh, lazy as well, really. But I haven't tried it. So in the, I think, though, a lot of places will have signs that say we have Apple Pay or we have right. Samsung Pay. Well, so. if you know, we'd love to hear from you because you're full of information. You're a 10 times smarter, all of you, than uh, Brett and I are. That We mean that from the bottom of our heart. Uh, Cam says, I got caught once not being able to pay for my meal at Burger King. Cam, oh, never mind. I won't say that. And the lady behind me at the time had asked me if I was getting paid anytime soon. And I said, yes. And she said, well, let me pay for your meal and just pay it forward when you get paid. And I certainly did that. And he also adds that he did his first e-transfer last week. And he still feels uneasy about using anything online, purchasing anything online. He says, yeah, I'm 29. I should know all about this stuff. But I stopped learning about technology when he was 18. And uh, Cam, you know, you're not alone there. Like I just said, I'm sort of reluctant to use my phone. And it's, I don't know, it's just uh, the whole security thing. I, I When I bought a wallet, I made sure that it had what they call RFID protection, that radio frequency protection, because people can walk by with remote scanners and just walk by you and poof, they've got... Your information. I watched something on CNN this weekend that startled me about technology. And it was one of these hacker fairs where these hackers were getting together and mostly ethical hacking going on just to see if they could do it. But some nefarious stuff, too. And one of the things these hackers do, they'll give you a business card and right built into it is a radioactive chip. Oh, my God. An RFI chip that can read all your information from your cards and your phone and everything. So they're basically planting, you know, a bug with you in order to to get all your information. They get it. That's terrifying. Like that it is absolutely horrific. Uh, Landon uh, says, for you, those of you in Woodlands, the Shell gas station in Woodlands can run a tab for gas. <laughs> Likely for locals only. I would suspect you're right, Landon, but that's good to know if I'm up on Highway 6. We have a phone call from Christian, which we will get to in a moment. Uh, but, Greg, here's a text uh, that might assuage your fears or or guilt about last night making your child pay for groceries. (laughs) Amanda says, I have had my daughter pay for numerous items, always paid her back, but here's my catch. I I did it to teach her trust and accountability sometimes, and I too have left my wallet at home. I panicked. I went down the street at lunch and and bought uh, hmm, you know what? The text sort of falls apart here. Bought a 10 replacement Sorry, Amanda, I think I may have lost something in translation, and I'll apologize to you as well, Greg. Sometimes we go into these text messages oh, of cold, course we do. haven't proofread them at all, and then the message gets lost. We do our best because Amanda's text was good for about 94% of it, and then the last word seems to have been a Surrey autocorrect. Yeah, I think that that's what it happens a lot in our text. So when you hear us reading texts and then we kind of stumble, well, we've all done it. You know, we get the, the, the fat fingers or Siri doesn't like whatever you're saying or your Google voice assistant or whatever it is. Christian, is that 204-780-6868? Christian, what's your story? Hey, I, um, I got to tell you, you know, um, well, I was calling about your whole Apple Pay. You know, we're in the restaurant business and, uh, 
that whole Apple Pay thing is a challenge for all of us because we'd love to use it, but it's a big fight for those pennies by the credit card producer or processors. So it, that, the dilemma is that when we're committed to a supplier, um, they don't want to play friendly, and that's a problem right now for any kind of restaurant. Mm. <laughs> Because you've got right. you've got your company that supplies you with your interact infrastructure, and then now right. this is a this is a competing uh, service, right? So that there, there's going to be some some uh, business lost by Moneris or Monteris, whatever the company is, or whoever right. you might be dealing with, right? Aha! Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the big one, of course, is that we're already paying about three percent. Some people up to five, and the smaller processors are going to have a higher fee because the cost to create the process is isn't passed across as much of a large clientele so the fees just keep going up really so it'll be a process to see how quickly people start to to get along better in the whole process you know it's apple against android and now it's both of them against the banks really yeah well and we saw how that went with walmart right visa and walmart uh, (laughs) having a little peeing contest there so Christian, yeah. thanks for the, the feedback. We appreciate uh, the insight as a business owner. That reminds me of a business. I won't say which one. It, it, it's now, unfortunately, defunct. But I tried to pay Interac. Or did I try to pay Visa? I've tried to play, pay with some sort of plastic. I want to say Visa. Uh, and it was I was buying something that was under $20. And he said, nope. <clears throat> if you want to, it's got to be over 20 bucks. Right. got to be under, over $20 to be worth my while as in his while, because otherwise it's too expensive. Well, there's a transaction fee. I, I thought those were limited to around 15 cents a transaction or something. But I guess if you do the math, I see the at the corner store's minimum $5. I don't know if I've ever seen 15 The one that bugs me is the 25-cent one at the beer vendor. <laughs> I don't like that. Oh, the, where they charge a 20 Yeah, that's right. For the, using the Interact, right? Yeah. For using the, the fee, and a lot of them do it. It oh. kind of bugs me. I don't really like that one. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's a good. It, you would you could make the argument right that the the one business I went to, I get it because it's a, it was a small business, it was a specialized business that wasn't always busy. But a beer vendor, <laughs> they know who their partner is, right? Well, and they, it's MLCC. They know that's their partner, or MLLC, whatever the acronym is now. So you know uh, your profit margins and everything going in. I just I find that one a little bit uh, cheesy. I don't like that one. It's a convenience fee. 204-780-6868 is the number to call. It's the number to text. What do you do when you go somewhere, you buy something, and you don't have your money, you don't have your wallet, or are, as a business owner, what do you do if a customer doesn't have the money to pay for something that they have just consumed? 204-780-6868. Also, if you have any more insight on these new technologies like Apple Pay or Android Pay or whatever it's called, I have an Android phone, I should know this, but I don't use that service, so I don't know. 204-780-6868-148. Your forecast is up next. I know sometimes in the summertime we get those spontaneous showers that come up in the heat of the day, but anything on the radar? I'm not seeing, well, I was seeing something earlier, not in Winnipeg, it was actually west, but now I'm seeing nothing, so I don't know if that means it's not working. I'll have to try it and find a different website, though. The Weather Network radar is sort of wonky. Wonky. Yeah, it doesn't always work anymore. Uh, Wonky is uh, what happens to you when you forget your wallet and you haven't got an alternate way to pay. You've had some great stories to share with us. And yesterday was talking about, ironically, the whole idea of overpaying a bill, which meant I had not paid another one. 
And fortunately, I caught it in time to make sure that I didn't miss a payment. But we had some great suggestions on what to do, including one when we got off the air yesterday. Use the cash advance. You're already in the positive. There's going to be no interest charged. It was a listener who said, yeah, I learned that one when I was in Europe and I'd overpaid something by accident. And someone from his bank said, just use the cash advance. This, no was the, this was the credit card that you overpaid? That I overpaid. And he said, no harm, no foul, because it's your money. You're taking it back on the cash advance. And normally people are hesitant to use cash advance because you start paying interest from the moment you, you take it out. But it's your money. You're overpaid. Great idea. So oh. thanks for the, uh, for the feedback on that. So is that what you're going to do? Because you had said that you had some negotiations with them where they said... Oh, they're already send, yeah, they're only already sending me the check, so... Okay. But for next time, if I ever pull a boner like that one, I'll, uh, I'll fix that. <laughs> Apparently it's raining in Gimli right now, okay. one of our texters. Uh, thank you for that. We have a text here. We actually, you mentioned, Greg, the, the fee, the 25 cent, sometimes 35 yes. cent fees at yes. beer vendors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've got a couple of people here who have found a way to fight back really? against the vendors. Ryan says at the vendor, I use my credit card. Then they have to pay the fee. I don't. And along those same lines, there's somebody, this is an anonymous text. I screw the vendor by using credit. They can't charge you a fee, and at 2%, it ends up costing them 60 cents per dozen. So people are a little getting angry with the vendors. Well, you see, for every action, simple science that life is, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. And if you're dedicated to finding that equal and opposite reaction, you can find it. It is out there. It's available to you. Here's one at 780-6868 talking about uh, uh, paying and, and, you know, the old dine and dash. Well, at the Boston Pizza in Melfort, Saskatchewan, they make sure that doesn't happen. Halfway through dinner, power went out during a storm. They took credit card info by hand to bill after for anyone having to leave before the power came back on. So really? can you imagine you're in the dark and <laughs> they start asking you for your credit card information while you, while you're eating. Man, that that would be a pain in the neck. Thanks, partner. Appreciate that. At seven eighty sixty eight sixty eight. And Dave, something Dave has something here that sort of ties us back to I think what started this conversation. Dave says, I just don't why see I don't see why people use Interac, use credit card. Much more simple. No password for. Uh, fewer or for less cash purchases, tap and go, so easy, no ridiculous nickel and dime fees, totally better with MasterCard. Dave, but again, uh, you know, what happens when plastic is not available to you mm-hmm. and you have mm-hmm. to use cash? And I think that's what sort of triggered this conversation was that Greg went to Tim Hortons this morning and he saw people doing a bunch of U-turns coming yeah, because there was somebody posted up outside with a sign that said cash only. What do you do when you get to cash only? Uh, and I'm, I found another radar here. It's on a website called thefarmzone.com. They have excellent radar. And this, this confirms another text that we got from Wayner, who says, Arberg to Gimli getting rained on. There's your satellite for you. And I see it now on the, the oh my, yes. Wayner, Tons of rain, actually. Uh, Wayner, you're hired. Yeah, we're uh, just under, it's just above Winnipeg, all the way up, well into the Interlake. It's been raining, I guess, all day, really. Uh, another text here says, raining in middle interlake since the a.m. in Arburg. Now, according to the radar, the, the predicted, and this could change, but it looks like we might not 
get rain here in Winnipeg, but very close. Actually, it's just sort of skating on the edge of the city later this afternoon, so we'll have to see. Keep it locked here. We'll get you home safe. We'll get you home informed. Traffic and weather together starting at about 3.06 this afternoon, straight through until 7 o'clock with Richard and Julie. 156 on 680 CJOB after Global News. We are hoping to go to Little Mogadishu, where we will speak with the unofficial mayor of that community as we continue our series Seeking Asylum. Global News and 680 CJOB. Mackling and McGarry. The news is up next. I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling and 680 CJOB and Global News are looking at the journey being made by asylum seekers illegally crossing the border into our province through our new series, Seeking Asylum. 680 CJOB's Keith McCullough visited the Somali community in Minneapolis, dug Little Mogadishu to learn why those living there call Canada the dreamland. Locals call it the Somali Starbucks. As much a meeting place as a coffee shop, this particular branch of the world-famous chain serves as a gateway to a unique neighbourhood, a place where many, if not all, of the so-called asylum seekers walking into Manitoba lately begin their final trip north. Welcome to see the Riverside, or Little Mogadishu. Abdirazak Behe likes to claim he coined the nickname himself years ago after the capital city of war-torn Somalia. Behe serves as a sort of unofficial mayor of the area, tucked into two square kilometers in the heart of Minneapolis. To say it's a little eclectic would be an understatement. Behe brags they have the highest concentration of bars and pubs in town. And at the same time, we have the same number of mosques. People come here uh, to eat and to have fun. Parts feel like West Broadway, others like Osborne Village. Downtown looms on one side, the University of Minnesota on the other. It's a community of immigrants. There are dozens of different languages, with no group better represented than Somalis. They call him the mayor of Little Mogadishu. Abdirazak Behe joins us now. Good afternoon, Abdirazak. Good afternoon. This attention that your community has thrust had thrust upon you, is it a little uncomfortable? Actually, no. Uh, after all years of doing this work, it's, it's, uh, it becomes okay. <laughs> so maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about your personal journey to Minneapolis and, and how you ended up in uh, the upper Midwest of the United States. Well, I used to live in Washington, D.C., Virginia area, and uh, in 1993, I went to East Africa, especially Kenya, where some other refugees were, to help process my sister and uh, uh, my younger brother's family to come here. And that's how I met the community that was about to come here, or, or, or always, uh, already um, starting to come to Minnesota. So then I came here in 1996 to help out uh, as an interpreter, as a cultural broker. Then that's how I started the Somali, uh, Somali Education and Social Advocacy Center to work with the community as an activist. Why is uh, Minnesota, why has Minnesota become sort of a, a popular spot for people Minnesota, from Somalia? Minnesota, as you know, is not a warm place in terms of weather, but there are very warm people here. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, for the first few people who came as uh, refugees to, 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 uh, to 
America, came to San Diego. Then they sent out scouts to find where they can find jobs that usually doesn't require language, where the community, upon arrival, they can next day start working. So they sent scouts to Midwest in Iowa, and that's when the community started to come to the Midwest. Then after a year, they sent scouts way north to Minnesota, and that's where they found the turkey factories, uh, slaughterhouses, assembly lines, uh, uh, jobs were booming, um, jobs that did not require language upon, uh, upon arrival. Abdirazak, it's been generations now since Somali started coming to Minnesota, to your part of the world. What can you tell us about the changes that you've seen over the years and how the children of individuals that may have come to the United States as refugees from Somalia, how they're integrating into the American way of life and the the changes in the education they might be getting and the jobs that the children of these immigrants are doing now. Well, we have a mixture of success and also challenges. Um, to start with uh, uh, success, um, we have generations that are really uh, making to the American dream. They um, um, graduating from college. They're starting. They are starting their um, um, uh, uh, their life, their own lives and families. And also, we have a huge amount of businesses um, in the Somali community. Businesses are very important. So, basically, we, we can say one out of every five or six people work for a Somali small business. And um, but also, we have uh, um, other uh, great success uh, where we have Somali American uh, police officers um, who also termed, uh, joined the Navy and the military who are serving duties in Iraq and Afghanistan. We have a lot of success. We have healthcare providers. We have uh, social workers. We have teachers. Uh, we also have the first um, uh, uh, Somali American woman with hijab in the police force. So there are a lot of success, uh, as well as the challenges. Sometimes when the economy is not doing well, our unemployment is very high, and uh, we also have the highest number of youth. Uh, the community is very young. The average age is 20 years. And also, um, those success are sometimes eaten up by the newcomers. Uh, the, the, the families who are coming are still happening. So the challenges and the success are both um, feasible. Abdirazak Bihi is called, sort of referred to as the mayor of Little Mogadishu, a Somali community in Minneapolis. And Abdirazak, you know, we've spoken to people like Sharmar K. Ahmed, who came to the U.S. legally and has been there for 18 years, but he's never been given full citizenship, so he can't bring his family over. What is your feeling on that kind of thing happening? Well, most of the community here are um, were former refugees. That means they came here with the legal papers uh, as a resettlement. Uh, but lately, we have seen um, increase in people who are coming from the south border. Um, I I met people who went to dozens of countries on foot from Somalia to America, and those people, some of them. Um, um, Few of them uh, have been accepted, and some of the recent ones uh, about the immigration change were not really um, um, uh, happy. Uh, they were concerned. They were uh, fearful of the, the new election, and some of them started to go across the border to Canada, where the prime minister said he's welcoming. 
Your father was in prison for 17 years, uh, according to the research that was done on our behalf, Abdir Zak. And maybe, you know, you mentioned that there are people that come to the United States after traversing hundreds of miles by foot. What was what was your physical journey like and and what are what is a typical journey? Does it still involve uh, hundreds of miles of walking and and navigating very dangerous places? Can you paint a picture for us on that front? You know things are are, are different way uh, way way different nowadays. Um, Somalia for the past twenty five years uh, was going through um, civil unrest. Um, at one point there was a complete chaos, and then um, Al Shabaab took over. Then it was taken back. Now there's Al Shabaab that's committing suicide bombing and killing a lot of people, government officials. Um, also, there are right now we have Somalia has the worst drought and famine since World War II. And the population also is as young, very young. Uh, 75% are under 30 years. Unemployment is extremely high, and opportunities are very high. Um, some, most of the regions in Somalia are not stable. So young people are fleeing, uh, fleeing to our neighboring countries, some of them ending up um, in Yemen, which is also the same civil unrest, uh, and there's a war happening in Yemen. Latest, there are 45 refugees, I think 45 or 42 refugees on a boat fleeing Somalia were killed by a um, by, uh, helicopter um, um, uh, out of 170 refugees. Um, uh, those people are fleeing to other countries like Libya, where some of them are being held for, for a ransom. And it's common to see family members here collecting money so they can release their, um, um, uh, their family member in Libya or maybe in the desert of Egypt uh, so that those uh, well-known traffickers could release them for $20,000. So some of those people really go through a lot of difficult situations. A lot of them don't make it. A lot of them uh, die in the seas of overcrowded um, watercrafts. So those who make it here are very, very small and extremely lucky. 680 CJOB and Global News are looking at the journey being made by asylum seekers illegally crossing the border into our province through our new series, Seeking Asylum. And uh, 680 CJOB's Keith McCullough will join us this afternoon from Emerson. And on the phone right now, Abdir Zak Behe is the unofficial mayor of Little Mogadishu. He's, in fact, the director of the Somali Education and Social Advocacy Center, pardon me, according to the organization's uh, website. And Abdir Zak, thank you for uh, continuing to hang out with us this afternoon. Such an incredible story. And you've been all over the media, all over North America on the situation here. And the big concern, of course, for a lot of people, I'm sure within Minneapolis is, you know, is crime. It's one of the top stories in Winnipeg, uh, you know, for, for anybody, uh, big concern is public safety and then right after that is the whole question of preventing radicalization can you talk about those two things and how your community is approaching uh, both things yes as a matter of fact my nephew was one of the young people that was recruited in 2008 for to fight for al-shabaab in somalia and uh, i and my family were the first 
Muslim people who spoke up frontally against it, and ever since we have been engaging the community. Um, well, yes, we have dozens of young men that have been radicalized and taken out of the country to fight for those radical people, organizations. But we, the community, was really shocked in the beginning when we when I spoke out against this, and uh, I went to, into controversy because some people did, didn't know about this. But finally, we all understood and that the community was really scared about this. And um, there were heavy engagement in the young people uh, into jobs and uh, into arts programs and uh, into sports programs. And now the parents are paying a lot of attention. A lot of parents and community members couldn't understand why a kid could be how it could be radicalized and brainwashed and then without the knowledge of their family and community slipped out of the country. So it was a new tragedy, but that tragedy, a lot of people think it's the Somali community only. It was not the Somali community only. I belong to a, a global organization called Parents for Peace. And, um, you will find all kinds of ethnic families there that their sons were radicalized, including Caucasian families, um, Native American, African American, um, all kinds of people. So it's an issue for all, for all of us. But I think um, the unemployment, uh, extreme chronic unemployment and the lack of our, um, um, our community secular uh, uh, programs for young people um, is not really helpful. But that's another concern we have. The concern we usually have, really bigger than that, is what causes these kind of things, crime, for any community. It's the um, like 30 or 25 percent unemployment is really bad. Um, lack of after-school programs for young people uh, or engagement into positive programs is another culprit. So those are the things we find out, and uh, those are the things as a Minnesotans, as a community, we are really working hard to address. Abdir, Zach, we have about two minutes left here, so uh, we definitely need to ask you, what has your reaction been to all of the people who are fleeing the United States and making their way up to our country, Canada? Yes, you know, Canada hosts this uh, large population of Somalis. Um, it's a huge uh, community. I think if it's not bigger than the U.S., it's uh, it's second biggest. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that, um, that uh, Somalia is a failed state for for quarter century, and uh, right now the drought and everything that's making worse. Um, I think the international community, uh, United States of America and Canada, are playing a leading role to stabilize Somalia with the help of um, a lot of international countries. I think that's one step. The second step is, you know, Canada has a history of welcoming refugees, and uh, the best way is to engage people with um, um, one of the things that I usually found helpful for new families in any immigrant uh, in any country is to help them with um, language courses and uh, intercultural courses to help them uh, learn the language and uh, that will be the key for them to find uh, opportunities. Abjir Zak Sorry, Abjir Zak, didn't mean to cut you off there. I thought you were finished. Such a, a great opportunity to interact with you this afternoon. Thank you for this, and and uh, good luck and and continued good fortune in the work you're doing in the Somali community down in Minneapolis. I, I hope to meet you face to face one day. Thank you for this. We will. Thank you very much.
Abdirzak Bihi is the director of the Somali Education and Social Advocacy Centre, amongst so many other things. He's a huge advocate and spokesperson for the Somali community in Minneapolis. In fact, they call him the unofficial mayor of Little Mogadishu. And again, this is part of our series, 680 CJOB and Global News, looking at the journey being made by asylum seekers illegally crossing the border into Manitoba through our series, Seeking Asylum. 680 CJOB's Keith McCullough visited the Somali community in Minneapolis. Today, we're telling you about their journey to Minneapolis and their life there. Tomorrow, we will talk about the journey to Canada, why and how they are coming. Have your say with us and watch Global News at 6 o'clock for more. Global News at 2.30 is up next. The book is called Clean My Space, The Secret to Cleaning Better, Faster, and Loving Your Home Every Day. It's published by Penguin Canada. Its author is Melissa Maker. She joins us live on 680 CJOB. I'm assuming with 416, you're in Toronto, Melissa? You assume correctly. Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate the time. Melissa, by the way, has a YouTube channel called Clean My Space. She's been on the Today Show. She's been on all kinds of in all kinds of publications. So we're very thrilled to have her here. I mean, it's uh, it's springtime. Spring cleaning is on the brain. You know what? Why don't I? Why don't we start there? Why is it? Uh, why do we feel this urge to do spring cleaning? Do you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I have lots of thoughts. How much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) we got a half hour, so take all the time you need. I mean, when it comes to cleaning and it comes to spring cleaning, you know, we've been cooped up in our houses all winter long. And being out in Winnipeg, I know that you know what I'm talking about. And, you know, by the time this warmer weather comes around and the sun starts shining... I'm looking at my window right now, and I can see, oh, yeah, my window's got a little bit dirty. You can see on the outside and the inside. So it's kind of a time of year that we want to open up. We want to bring in the new. We want to say out with the old, out with the winter, put our, our winter coats and boots away, you know, bring in our spring stuff. So that's kind of one school of thought. And then the other thing is that a lot of religions actually incorporate spring cleaning into sort of annual traditions. So that's really interesting as well. So it could be cultural, in fact, as to why we have this uh, need and this feeling this time of year. It's just maybe the way we've been brought up and muscle muscle memory, for lack of better terminology. This is just the time when we do this. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. It's seen as a really cleansing time, a time of rejuvenation, um, you know, a time where everything is anew, everything is growing and being reborn and yeah i mean it's got a lot of religious undertones but it has a lot of you know great just general practical meaning as well so it says here that you despite the fact that you are an expert on cleaning you actually don't like cleaning in fact the word i believe is hates to clean so you've you've kind of come up with a, a good compromise for people like yourself who hate to clean these lightning fast five to ten minute express clean routines for every room so why don't you take us through uh one room for example like the kitchen yeah so you know i'm really glad that you said uh that i hate cleaning because that's a really important part of why i've written this book you know most people who i meet they don't love cleaning and if they do (laughs) they say look, I love cleaning, but I have no time to do it. So this book is really designed for people who love cleaning but don't have the time. 
and people like me who hate cleaning or maybe perhaps want to use a less harsh word, whatever word they decide to use. For me, I like the strong, the strength of hate. Um, <laughs> that's really how I feel about the topic. But the express cleans are really designed, you know, if you think about sitting down at a nice restaurant and getting a lovely $17 hamburger, and then you think about going to the drive-thru and picking up the, the quick and cheap hamburger. The express cleans are sort of like the drive-thru version of cleaning, if you will, but they're really effective. I mean, you think about the burger, you still get full, you still feel satisfied. You know you could have done a little bit better, but <laughs> you did what you could. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of the, the idea with the express clean. So when it comes to the kitchen, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's outlined there. I believe it's a 14-minute cleaning. So I basically walk you through and say, these are the things you can do to have your kitchen looking appropriate and presentable without burning half your day. Yeah. A lot of people, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead, Melissa. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, when, when a lot of people think about cleaning the kitchen, they think, okay, sleeves rolled up, half of my day gone, right. I've got to scrub, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. So with the Express Clean, we really talk about the hit points. So, for example, one of the things that, we, that I talk about right at the beginning is just decluttering. And so much of cleaning has to do with tidying up and getting rid of the mess. So I talk about having a bin and just working your way around the room in a clockwise motion, pulling everything off the counters that don't belong, putting things back where they belong. You might think this takes a long time. Time yourself. It takes a couple of minutes. So that's kind of the first hit point uh, when it comes to uh, the, the kitchen express clean. Well, what I really like about your tips is not only you've got these express clean tips and you're right, uh, your memory's uh, very good. You know your own uh, topic inside and out. It is 14 yeah. minutes. And so this <laughs> idea of um, uh, of getting spot cleaning is always good, but also like uh, getting ahead of it and, and uh, using natural products like baking soda and vinegar and these sorts of things come up time and time again in your book. Yeah, and you know, when I first, I started a cleaning company here in Toronto in 2006, and I started it because I saw this need for cleaning, uh, you know, a service. I saw a gap, and I started doing the cleaning myself. I went to the big box stores. I picked up all kinds of cleaning products. I filled a whole hockey duffel bag full <laughs> of cleaning products and tools, if you can believe it, and I schlepped them around to different people's homes, and I did this cleaning, and I realized... A, I'm spending a lot of money, and B, I don't like working with all of these different products for various reasons. So I started to research alternatives and, you know, kind of stuff that you could whip up in your own kitchen. And baking soda, I mean, it's such a triple threat. I've actually dedicated a whole page to it in my book, and it even sounds funny to me that I'm getting excited right now talking about baking soda. <laughs> it really does work. It's amazing. You know, it's a deodorizer. It's, uh, it's a whitener and a brightener, so it's great for laundry, and it also provides mild abrasion. So it's really easy to clean with baking soda if you have to, say, remove grime from a sink or something like that. And then vinegar, dish soap, they're all great. They're easy. They're inexpensive. They mix really well. And yeah, I have a whole bunch of different recipes in the book, too, that you can whip up for pennies. 
Well, Melissa, I'm wondering if you might have a recipe to help me with this. Uh, M- Melissa Maker, by the way, is our guest. She is the author of Clean My Space, The Secret to Cleaning Better, Faster, and Loving Your Home Every Day. It's a book from Penguin Canada. It just arrived on March 7th, so it's brand new in stores. And Melissa, I live in an apartment. It's an old building. I want to say it's probably from the 50s, although I think the, somehow the carpet is older than that. At least it feels like it. <laughs> Um, Your carpet's older than the building? I think so. Okay, got it. It it, uh, it has baseboard. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, have you cut it down the middle to count the rings? (laughs) I should do that. It's really, it's kind of gross. But, I mean, the apartment's got baseboard heating, no vents. It's always dusty. I can dust it, and then the next day, it's like I didn't do anything. So is there anything I can do to prevent it from getting so dusty? Yeah, great question, and you're not alone with that one. Um, There are a couple things I can recommend. Because you're in a building, you don't really have control over your HVAC system, but that's sort of my first thing that I, you know, suggest to people is check that HVAC, change out the filter if you need to, and if you do have access to any filters within your apartment, change those for sure. An air purification system with the HEPA filter might really help you. Um, and that's just a unit. I'm sure you've seen them. You kind of plug them in, and they just clean the air. They kind of circulate uh, the air and sort of bring in the old stuff, filter out any of the bad stuff, and pump out new stuff. So that's that's sort of a simple but really good fix. And then really and truly, you might not like hearing this, but the best way to get rid of dust is to vacuum and vacuum a lot. So people who have um, dust challenges or pet challenges or allergies – you want to be vacuuming a couple times a week. And you have allergies too on top of it all. Yeah. 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 When I, when I back, when I lived in the house and with my dog and two cats, I was vacuuming. I had the Dyson pet vacuum that had horse hair in the the head. I was vacuuming constantly. The book is Clean My Space. The website, cleanmyspace.com. Melissa Maker is the creator of all these outstanding tools and, and advice. One thing I do have a complaint, Melissa, I went through the book backwards and forwards, and you have no tips on getting my kids involved and getting to them to listen to me when it's time for them to help me clean. And I haven't quite determined if having kids around and those extra hands are a help or a hindrance. Well, actually, in Chapter 13, I, I do have a, a little section about getting your kids to clean. I missed actually, it. <laughs> what's that? I missed it. Oh, you missed it. Yeah. Okay, so flip it open, check out Chapter 13, and you'll see it there. And look... No kid really, I, well, rarely, I don't ever, never say never, but I rarely hear about kids who run up to their parents and beg to help clean the house. I mean, this is pretty low on the priority list of a kid, but there are ways that you can, you can sort of bring them into the fold. And to me, it's all about making it number one age appropriate. So not assigning a seven-year-old a 30-minute cleaning task, they're never going to do it. Right. Melissa Maker, just hang on the line. We need to pause our conversation for a moment to check the forecast. But we do want to continue the chat with Melissa Maker, who is the author of this, of Clean My Space, The Secret to Cleaning Better, Faster, and Loving Your Home Every Day. She also has a YouTube channel, Clean My Space. She's been in all kinds of magazines. She's done all sorts of stuff on TV. She is an expert on this, and she hates to clean. We will continue our conversation in a moment. After your forecast, I'm Brett McGarry. He is Greg Mackling. Our guest joins us from Toronto. Her name is Melissa Maker. She is the author of Clean My Space The Secret to Cleaning Better 
faster and loving your home every day. And she has a YouTube channel called Clean My Space. She's been on the Today Show. She's been in all kinds of magazines, and we are happy to have her here on Mackling and McGarry. Melissa, this book that just came out on March 7th from Penguin Canada, for somebody... You you describe yourself as somebody who hates cleaning. So how would you pitch a book about cleaning to somebody who is like you, who also hates cleaning? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, it's never it's never an easy sell. But the truth of the matter is cleaning is a life skill. And when you walk into a place and it's messy and it feels gross, you don't feel good. So you can you can be negative and hate it like me, and then you can also sort of have this epiphany or realization, and that's what happened to me. I said to myself, you know, I, I really don't like cleaning, but I have a respect for it. I understand what it does for me. And then, you know, for my headspace and that kind of stuff, and then I, I just sort of figured out, how do I make it a little bit more enjoyable? So in all of my videos and in the book, I just infuse a ton of humor and quirkiness because I feel like... You know, we got to make the the content fun, and we do that. I say we; it's my husband and I. We film our videos together. Um, he's behind the camera, and I'm obviously in front. And you know, we just try to have fun with it because we realize: look, if you got to slog through a seven minute video about cleaning a bathroom, you might as well have a laugh along the way. And I've tried to bring the same humor to the book. I finally found the page. <laughs> 267 and 268 getting kids to clean highlight it are you kidding me this if brett wants this book to keep it will be without these two pages because (laughs) i will be taking them home with me and some really good advice here and that's about specific advice you know if your kids are 10 or under you can't just say go clean the basement you have to give them a specific task and i know when i was a kid my mom would decide, you know, on one magical day that this is the day that we're getting the house clean top to bottom, but she would never give any parameters. And it always felt as though once one part of the task was done, there was another one assigned. And one of my philosophies is to give my kids a list of three or four, and then they know that when those three, four are done, I'm going to inspect it. And then they might have to redo some things and then they're free. Then they're done. At least they know where the end of the line is for them. Yeah, it, it sounds like you've nailed it, actually. I mean, that, to kids, it's, it just feels like this insurmountable task sometimes when parents say, you know, clean this, clean that. And it's really not motivational for them. You know, they don't, and, and they don't feel good. And the most important thing is you want your kids to feel positive when it comes to cleaning. So you want to give them positive feedback. You know, you want to make them feel good about the amount of time they invested and, you know, how they've contributed to the house and the family. Because having that positive reinforcement will make them kind of like cleaning or at least be able to tolerate it. And I promise you that is a life skill. They will take that with them for the rest of their days. The people who I talk to who struggle the most with cleaning are the people like you who say, you know, I never, it was never an end in sight. I just had to keep cleaning and it took away time on Saturdays. Like, you know, we want to, we want to make the kids feel good about cleaning. Melissa, while we have you here, just a couple of minutes left, I feel like I need to give your YouTube channel a plug. I'm just looking at it right now. You have 663,000 subscribers. How long have you been doing this for on YouTube? Yeah, we've been doing this since 2011, and we're just about to hit 100 million video views. 
Oh my goodness. That's that, incredible. Good no for you. No kidding. Like, that is great. Because a lot of the, the videos that I follow uh, or the, the channels I follow from the United States have around 700,000. So for you to be Canadian, I think that's pretty extraordinary. Do you know, off? I mean, would you happen to know if you're if you rank in the top 10 in terms of Canadian YouTube channels? Believe it or not, um, there are a lot of uh, really high-ranking Canadian YouTubers. Uh, a lot of them are in the gaming space. Ah, uh, yes. So, yeah, you can talk to your kids about that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say I'm I'm right up there with some of the top YouTube channels in, in the country, that's for sure. Maybe we can combine forces here. I just had an epiphany, Melissa. I can, I can film my kids cleaning <laughs> and our, and our little game that we play back and forth where they actually look forward to me inspecting their bedroom because I tell them they got one chance to fix it. So they've cleaned the room and then I tell them I'm going to take a dollar off for everything because they get 20 bucks uh, every two weeks for their allowance. I take a dollar off for everything they do wrong, but I give them one chance to fix it. And typically they get 10 out of 10, you know, and I can film this and I can make them everything they've always wanted to be. They say they want to be a YouTuber and they can clean the house all at once. And then we can, uh, I'll filter those videos to you. What do you say? Oh my gosh. I actually, I'm serious. That's a great idea. And (laughs) if you, if you can send me that footage, I would love it because, you know, parents are always asking me for creative ways and how they can inspire their kids to clean. And I've never heard this allowance idea before, but you heard it here first. That's a great idea. All right, Melissa, we'll uh, keep in touch on this one. My kids actually look forward to Saturdays and their inspections. (laughs) It's quite hilarious. I've never conquered any part of parenting uh, better than I've conquered that one. So uh, I'm quite proud of it. I'll share it with you. I promise. And just so you know, I don't know if this is just some YouTube weird cash thing, but I swear to you, when I first looked at your channel, it said 663,000. That was maybe four minutes ago. Now you're up to 664. Uh, and let me just add myself to that. So The power uh, of Winnipeg Radio. Hopefully. And listen, Melissa, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. I uh, appreciate the tips. And again, uh, do you have a website, by the way? Sure do. It's cleanmyspace.com. Melissa Maker, thank you so much. She is our guest from Toronto. She is the author of Clean My Space, The Secret to Cleaning Better, Faster, and Loving Your Home Every Day. The book arrived March 7th. It is hardcover. You can get it. It's a Penguin Canada book. Her YouTube channel, once again, Clean My Space. All sorts of great stuff there. Like I said, I just checked out her channel. She's been doing this since 2011. Lots of fun there. So thank you again, Melissa. 257 on 680 CJOB. Global News at 3 o'clock. Up next. There have to be some things that fall under the category, I don't want to know the answer. He's Brett, I'm Greg, and we're in the waning hours, really, of our getaway to see you 2 in Vancouver and just got a text message, Brett, oh. from a loyal listener who wanted to know which names were called at 11.10 and 2.10 this afternoon. Oh, I see what you mean. And I'm thinking, do you really want to know? Because I found out before I got the names that the name called at 11.10 did not call in. Of course, our qualifier at 2.10 did phone in, but yesterday... Mike Skaftfeld. Congratulations, Mike. And yesterday, we won't do this to the person in question, but we had an... Oh, well, they know because they called in three minutes late yesterday. Who was that? Uh... That was Jimmy Giesbrecht. Sorry, Jimmy. Sorry, Jimmy. We got, uh, you know, uh, we 
uh, we, we tried, we lobbied hard to, to bend the rules for you, but uh, just no goal. So there's four names to be called tomorrow, one this afternoon at 510 with Julian Richard, and then at 710, 1110, 210, and 510 tomorrow. So five more opportunities for your name to be drawn to be in the draw at 710-ish, I'm guessing, with Shadow Davis. We'll give away that trip to see you two in Vancouver, May 12th. And as far as our show goes, and I certainly can't speak for the others, but I know that 210 is kind of a loose... (laughs) (laughs) We sort of... We'll we'll say 210-ish. Yeah, and it's not purposeful, right? Because we will have guests at that time typically, and we have to find an opening in our conversation to to get that in. So for those that have been patient enough to bear with us on that, you've been dufully rewarded because... uh, as we've been mentioning, we have more qualifiers on Mackling and McGarry than any other program here on 680 CJOB. And we'll have to get an update on that. I'm, I'm perpetuating that story, whether it's true or not, <laughs> henceforth. He's just running with it. I'm running with it, man. <laughs> That's like I remember um, <laughs> Hal Anderson, uh, who, by the way, just before I forget, uh, still up for best uh, radio personality oh, for the, really? the Nightlife Awards, the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards. Okay. He made the cut. So go to the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards website. The The award ceremony is happening Good Friday. So Hal Anderson representing 680 CJOB, he made the cut. Of course, you can hear him on weekends. But I remember when he back when he was hosting the morning show on Power 97 with BJ, BJ and Hal, going That's back a ways now, way, bro. they were they referred to themselves as uh, Winnipeg's number one running show, three years running. Uh, they, like they, they made it like it was some sort of award. Right. And I remember talking to my friend about it, and he said, they just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> it was just something they made up. So now that's what, to tie it back, that's what Mackling's doing. He's yep. just going to run with it, yep. whether it's true or mm-hmm, not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got it, man. I'm going with it. I'm going with it all the way to the end. Hey, we've had some conversations about cash. What do you do when you've lost your wallet? What do different businesses do? Uh Really, the consensus seems to be there are some really good people out there still. We got a text message about what happened in the paw. This stemmed out of uh, me forgetting my wallet yesterday and very close to going out for dinner. Circumstances dictated that we didn't end up consuming dinner and then going, oh, I don't have any money to pay. Uh, It all worked out in the end. Uh, But we had a, a text message here about something that happened in the paw about three years ago where the power was cut to the paw. And there was no ATM, there were no debit machines, anything working on a busy Friday night. The entire town was out. Retailers just ran tabs for everyone until lines were restored two days later. This was at grocery stores and some vendors. Trust is still alive in the north, as I mentioned, three years ago. So there are uh, lots of great stories like that as well. And 204-780-6868 is the number to text if you have any more stories on that or if you want to send us an email, 204-780, or no, if you want to email us, pardon me, it's brett at cjob.com or gmac at cjob.com. Let's pause here. We've got traffic and weather, and then after that, we are going to give away some stuff. We'll tell you what that is after traffic and weather together, which is up next I was wrong, Greg, I was wrong. You're never wrong, Brad. I'm always wrong. I went to the WinnipegNightlifeAwards.com website to vote for Mm -hmm. Hal, and the Mm -hmm. polls closed. It's closed. I was going to vote for Hal Anderson for best uh, radio personality, but the polls closed on Sunday. So hopefully Hal came through. The awards are being given away on the 14th, Good Friday, at the Met. So 
Hopefully Hal wins. What are you chuckling at? Uh, ha- hashtag fail. And this ties in to the text message. Tim, uh, you know what? Tim, you want to be a content producer for Macklingham and Gary? This is brilliant. You guys should do a segment on guys who think they can build or fix something with that male bravado, but end up with an epic fail. Can tie it into the home and garden show at the convention center coming up. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I'm I not, love that. I Well, I would fail at building anything, which is why I'm glad I don't have the bravado to try to force me to, oh, I can do that. No, I can't. I got to out my buddy Jeff right now. Uh-oh. His wife, Terry, is amazing at doing renovations and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a box of tools, like a collection of tools in their storage room. And they're marked, Jeff, do not touch. He's not allowed to touch all the power tools in the house. Really? Yeah, because she is she is the fix-it person in their home. And yeah, Jeff, I know you're listening, bud. Uh, he's not allowed to touch the tool. I think it's so funny every time I go to their house. It's still on, hey? It's still in effect. The do not touch uh, tool section. Oh, yeah. And full effect. So there are lots of dudes who are not good with the tools, lots of ladies out there that do amazing work, lots of great renovations. And uh, my favorite contractor in town, I think it's a plumber, his saying is, we repair what your husband fixed. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. I love it. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate that. We'll, we'll, We'll have to see what we can hatch over the next few days. But do you want to give some stuff away? We have time. There's always time. Thursday, April 6th at Nashville's at Canadans, Transcona on Regent Avenue West, just west of Plessy's Age of Electric. And today's question has to do with that song. Greg, what was the question? You came up with it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm drumming here. It's one of my favorite songs to drum to, actually. Uh, The video for Ugly was filmed here in Winnipeg. What specific building was it filmed in? You got to be a little bit of a fan to know this. 204 780 6868. Where was the video for Ugly shot? 204 780 6868. If you know the answer, you could be going to see Age of Electric Thursday, April 6th at Nashville's, which is at Canadian's Transcona. On the subject of uh, home renovations and women who are better at it than men, my, my friends Kent and Eileen, and hopefully, Kent, uh, you're not listening. Um, <laughs> you hope well, Eileen you know, is, though. Yeah, hopefully. Well, I'm, even if he is listening, Kent's got a great sense of humor. Same thing, but it's not... Uh, he's quite happy with the arrangement. He, she, she likes to do all the renovation stuff, and he's the... He likes to cut the grass and do that kind of thing. Although she's actually probably better at that stuff, too. <laughs> Because she was, yes. she's she's been going. She's been getting all sorts of uh, schooling on how to. I, I don't know what the term is, but she's great with with plants and yard and stuff. She's a budding arborist, perhaps. That's I, maybe maybe that's the word. I should I should know this. I'm a bad friend, but anyway, she's better at that stuff than he is. Well, you, when you're when you're cutting the grass, you got to have those straight lines, and they've got to be even. And you've got to remember which way you cut the lawn the week before or the four or five days before, because you never want to cut it exactly the same way. Really? Every single time. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I was terrible at that. Well, you had the same pattern every yeah, time? Yeah, I just wanted to get it cut. I did the hor- I do the horizontal, left to right. I do the vertical, top to bottom, and then I'll do the diagonal one, and I work them in a little bit of a circuit there. I didn't know that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you have a beautiful lawn? No. No. When, it, when we bought it, it was lovely. <laughs> 
It was yeah, wonderful. I hate to tell you, you might have had something to do with that epic fail. Yeah. Sorry, brother. I was terrible at uh, at housing. I'm not a good homeowner, which is why I'm quite happy to live in an apartment. So we have a couple of minutes left. What we are going to hopefully have Keith McCullough on after the 3.30 news to talk about what is happening in Emerson uh, once again tonight on the Global News at 6 o'clock. Uh, they will be doing more on the 680 CJOB Global News production, Seeking Asylum. 680 CJOB's Keith McCullough visited the Somali community in Minneapolis, dubbed Little Mogadishu to learn why those living there call Canada the dreamland. So today we're telling you about their journey to Minneapolis and their life there. And tomorrow we'll talk about the journey to Canada, why and how they're coming. So have your say with us and watch Global News at 6 o'clock for more. In case you missed it earlier, at 2 o'clock we spoke with Abdirazak Behi, who is known as the mayor of Little Mogadishu in Minneapolis. So if you didn't hear that conversation and you want to hear it, you can go to cjob.com and go into our audio vault to check that out, or you can subscribe to the Mackling and McGarry podcast. And once we have the show up, it'll be up by 5 o'clock today, so you'll be able to hear it there. We have a winner for the Age of Electric Tickets, Desiree Cador. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Jeff has given me the thumbs up. I pronounced it correctly. Desiree Cador correctly answered the question... Where was the video for Ugly Shot? The answer is the Fort Gary Hotel. They had an entire floor. They shot it over the course of one day. And I have watched the video countless times. And I think they've done, they have done. did that video, I think, in, in three separate shots. I always thought it was a one-shot video. Uh, but I, th- I think it's three. Now that I've watched it a little bit closer, there's a couple times where they go close to the camera lens and then they back oh, off. Yeah. And it kind of looks like it could be a one-shot but I've narrowed it down to I think it's no more than three. If you know the answer to that, gmac at cjob.com. Uh, in fact, uh, Age of Electric shot uh, multiple videos here in Winnipeg along with uh, Limblifter, uh, the pre- pre- what, what do you, predecessor, right? The, the they word? had a side project. Oh, a side project, yeah, right? Uh, they uh, filmed a bunch of their videos here in Winnipeg as well. Neat. We'll have to learn more about that throughout the week. We still have more passes to give away tomorrow and Friday, but Traffic and weather together. Up next. It's 3.38 Wednesday afternoon. He's Brett. I'm Greg. And our colleague and friend Keith McCullough uh, provided some outstanding background, some reports over the last uh, several hours here on 680 CJOB. He, along with Global Sean Leslie, spent uh, four days down in Minneapolis last week. And at this moment, we catch up with Keith at the border at Emerson, Manitoba, preparing for tonight's global uh, news at 6 o'clock. And uh, Keith, how was the drive down this afternoon? And uh, what's uh, what are things like in Emerson as we speak? Hey, Greg. Yeah, I'm just in the, uh, the town fire hall here, where the center of it all, the emergency services departments have been busy in Emerson the last few months dealing with all these people who they've had to, many of them they've had to rescue, had to find housing for after they've come across the border into uh, Canada. The drive down here was good, a lot shorter than the trip down to uh, Minneapolis. But yeah, we're getting ready for for full coverage on this story as part of our Seeking Asylum series. We'll have much more coming up with Richard and Julie after four o'clock on the news and then uh, global news at six on the TV side going to be broadcasting uh, here live 
at 6 o'clock on Global TV. So much more on this story still to come. It's certainly been uh, an eye-opening last couple of weeks for me, and I hope for some of our listeners too, guys, with the experiences going down to really where this story begins in that little neighborhood in Minneapolis. Of course, we were fortunate enough to visit with Abdir Zak Behe, the unofficial mayor of Little Mogadishu, and that was uh, through you connecting us with him because of your interaction with him last week as part of the Seeking Asylum series. And just to maybe pick your brain a little bit more on your experience there, you did such a great job of painting the radio picture, as Richard Cloutier calls it, of this neighborhood in Minneapolis that has really become Little Mogadishu in a very real way. Did you get the sense that that this is a, a community that is is unified and at the very same time concerned about what's going on in the United States and whether or not individuals will be able to uh, bring their loved ones to America in in any timely fashion, if at all. I was struck, Greg, by how matter of fact people down there are about this whole situation that, you know, some of their friends neighbors even family are just sort of disappearing one day and then they get a phone call from them three four days later if all goes well and all of a sudden they're they're safely in canada they've left the country they've snuck out of the united states people down there were you know people know about it they all kind of realize that the phenomenon is happening Uh, But there was no sense of panic, no sense of feeling like it had the community rattled or anything like that. It's a very, very tight-knit group down there, much like a lot of our immigrant communities. You you think of something like maybe the Filipino community in Winnipeg, where everyone seems to know everyone, everyone sticks by everyone, everyone has sort of a different, unique story. But I didn't sense a, a, a tremendous amount of fear in the neighborhood, and I thought maybe... I would because of the Donald Trump situation. I thought there might be more anger. There might be more more fear about potentially people being deported, being sent back to Somalia by this new administration. If anything, it seemed like most people down there were very happy with the lives they had in their little corner of the world. The handful who aren't are starting to take certainly some more drastic measures and come up to Canada. And the other thing, and I think we reflected it in, in the pieces we've had on today, guys, is the really rosy view that people in communities like Little Mogadishu have of Canada. People down there really do think Canada is almost like some dreamland, some paradise that they're hoping to get to and they're hoping to to be a part of in the future. I don't know if that's necessarily a reality, but people down there really, really do think very highly of our prime minister and of, of all of us in Canada. So I suppose from our point of view, you know, you know, there are some costs to these people coming up to our country, but I suppose it's nice to be thought of as highly as we are by people who are feeling vulnerable, not just in Minneapolis, but really around the world. Keith, uh, before we let you go here, while you were down there, now that it's warming up, did you get any sense that maybe there would be more people coming to Canada because so many braved the intense cold to get here and it's not cold anymore? It's interesting you asked that, Brett, because I was just speaking to some of the uh, the first responders here in Emerson, and there is definitely a feeling that, that it's not going away, 
that it could get worse, that there could be more people coming up here. The feeling down in Minneapolis, talking to experts, talking to just regular people who we saw in the Little Mogadishu area, is that definitely there are more people considering going once it just gets easier physically to do the trip when you're not having to walk through blizzards and through snow to get here. So I do definitely think that there's a very good chance as we move into summer, we'll be seeing more people coming into Canada, not less. That's why it's such an important story. But it is interesting to remember, uh, these, some of these fields driving down here are, it's like quicksand right now. It's mud. If things flood, it's only going to get worse. Some of these people who are getting lost in these fields and needed to be rescued from the snow, and we've heard the stories of these people coming under cover of darkness into Canada, uh, if you stumble and take some wrong steps in some of these fields right now and over the next few weeks, guys, you're going to be stuck up to your knees in mud. So that could be another angle that we'll certainly have to follow as more and more of these asylum seekers start trying to make their way into Manitoba as spring comes and we really start to hit the flood season here in southern Manitoba. This is the epicenter Emerson is for the story here in Manitoba. Keith is there along with Sean Leslie and, of course, the crew for Global News at 6. Keith will be hearing from you as we make our way through the afternoon with with Richard and Julie. So thanks for taking some time with us today, and uh, we look forward to hearing more about this story as we make our way through the rest of the week. Guys, anytime. Thanks for uh, doing this, and look forward to talking to you soon. 680 CJOBs. Keith McCullough, a global news reporter, Keith McCullough. And actually, I think, and I could be wrong, but you'll have, you'll have to just tune in at 6 o'clock to find out, but I think Sean Leslie is actually going to be in Minneapolis today. So we've got Keith and Emerson, Sean in Minneapolis, and the full team coverage starting at 6 on global television. Traffic and weather together. Next. It's 3.49. Richard Cluche joins us now. The news from 4 till 7 with Julie and Richard. Get you home safe and informed. Richard, uh, Julie's boycotting here, by the way. What? what yeah, I know. What's going on well, here? She's Have, has she finally had enough? Yeah, I think so. I don't blame she's her. She's at St. Vitale Center en route back now. So she'll join us uh, just after four o'clock. And uh, lots coming up, including uh, live in Emerson with uh, Loren and Keith a little bit later on. Fantastic. Looking forward to that broadcast at 6 o'clock. Of course, that'll cut into your time. I'll have to watch and listen at the same time, uh, but I can multitask. Uh, babysitting is a huge issue this time of year, spring breaks, summer. Uh, Brett and I were talking earlier about the cost of summer camps, and uh, my kids are at a curling camp this week, and so that costs an awful okay, lot of money. Dad, how much do you spend in the Mackling household on babysitters. Not as much as a lot of people because we're very fortunate. Jackie's mom and dad are so good to us. They will they will look after the boys. But I was mentioning that our, our neighbor, uh, I think he waits by the phone because I overpay. And he must love babysitting for us because he never says no. And uh, I go by the, I try so to pay him. you overpay. That's like 10 bucks an hour? Yeah, I try, I try to pay, pay him 10. Sometimes it's 15 bucks an hour. How old? He's, uh, he's four, 15 now, I think. It would be a going right now. You know, and it's just hanging with my kids, right? They play video games, but he's really responsible. His parents are right there. They're right next door. If you can find a good babysitter, it's worth the price. I absolutely d- don't disagree. Our global news colleagues are Premji asking the question today. It's our question of the day at cjob.com. Uh, lots coming up. Uh, Christian has decided to delve into the crayon issue. <laughs> I love red orange. <laughs> it was my favorite color, red-orange. I uh, remember one birthday getting the big 64-pack oh. with the sharpener in the back. <sighs> nice. I was in heaven. <laughs> Did, you didn't take that to school, though. 
you know what? I was warned not to. Yeah, because really. I would have disliked you immensely. Not only that, it would go missing, you know. St. Norbert, rough neighborhood. <laughs> they would take your Air Jordans, your Chicago Bulls jacket, and your 64-pack of crayons. Why is that? Because it was a coveted item or because you were a nerd? Very coveted item. Okay. Very right. coveted. Yeah. And Unfortunately, I'm a little bit before Air Jordans. You are? A li- just a little bit. Oh, okay. Just a little bit. Okay, fair enough. Uh, sounds like a, a jam-packed show, as always, and and this uh, continuing focus on uh, seeking asylum. Did, are you getting a sense that just with the coverage that we've done today, I was anticipating a ton of text message reaction from our listeners in our conversation with the mayor of Little Mogadishu? Not one. I think people were just sitting and listening. This is a really unique perspective well, it's on compelling this story. part of the story, yeah, right? It's compelling storytelling from, from Keith and, and Sean. And as you start to delve into the characters of the story, you start to understand. And that's what journalism is all about, going to the source of the story and start explaining beyond our um, kind of visceral and gut reactions to it. But meantime, we have the Global News poll. We'll have more from Daryl Bricker coming up on on that and our attitudes towards that. And news at 4 o'clock as well on Capion and Keniston. Stay with us. Mm, looking forward to that. Was just driving by the other day thinking, man, if only they had thought when they designed this years and years and years ago to go three lanes instead of two. That was on the edge of nowhere, though. I know. Like, I mean, we've had this discussion about Keniston, south of Taylor. It was a two-lane donkey trail all the way to (laughs) Pembina Highway. That was, for me, that was the shortcut from Monty's to the A or or the other way around. Like, there were were no streetlights. There was nothing for miles. That was the way you'd get out of town real quick if you're going to the States, right, for the weekend, going to Minneapolis. We can save an hour. We'll take take Keniston. We can go 150 down Keniston. And you could... (laughs) You could do anything down that road because there was nobody there. All that was there was the cement plant. Yep. And, of course, now that's the epicenter of just about everything in Winnipeg. And, yeah, three lanes would, would, would be pretty nice. Yeah, well, and how could you? I guess that's a, the that's a thing. They, des- they designed these things years ago. How could they foresee what's coming? I thought that's what we pay these guys for is to see the future, right? <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll have this conversation. Very much looking forward to uh, what could be happening on Campion. They're, they've started to take down some of the houses in selective spots. Oh, so that is one revelation in the last several weeks that uh, I think it's Department of National Defense have started taking down some of the houses that haven't been lived in. There are still people living in many of those homes along Keniston that are property of the Department of National Defense. So this is a story that is going to evolve. It's a decade long story, right? Because once Keniston gets redeveloped, rebuilt, all that property will subsequently be developed whether it be retail, residential, some sort of mixed-use development. Uh, there's years' worth of development to go on in, you know, in one of Winnipeg's most prestigious neighborhoods. 354 and 680 CJOB, that means we are out of time. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling, Jeff Forte, and Master Control. Thank you very much, sir. The News with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham is up next. And then don't forget Charles Adler tonight, 9 until midnight on 680 CJOB.